And then our text coming from Genesis chapter 32, beginning in verse 22. The same night he got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So it will be helpful today for us to understand this story and place it in its proper context. If we remember another night episode that we read and involved Jacob, we read it just a couple of weeks ago. You might remember he was running from his family in that story all alone in the wilderness at night, put his head on a rock, took asleep and during his deep sleep had this dream we call it Jacob's ladder had this vision of somehow the earth and the heavens being connected and the messengers of God traveling back and forth I suggested to you that the whole idea there was Jacob recognizing that God was with him and for us to know God is with us but even more than that I suggested that because we know at that point in the story that Jacob's on the run because he's a thief and a deceiver that God comes to us even in our dysfunction even in our brokenness God is with us and God is loving us and wanting to bless us even in our difficult experiences well the story we read today happens years after that Jacob is still traveling but this time instead of running from his family he's heading back to see his family Story says, once again, we find Jacob still alone at night as he has this experience with God. Last time, he was running from a brother who was so mad because what if Jacob had stolen from him that he was enraged and had said he was ready to kill him. And so Jacob was running from that brother in this story. He's about to meet the same brother the next morning. And it seems that he is still filled with fear and his anxiety and fear are about to overwhelm him. The story tells us that he wrestles all night with this mysterious man that the narrative introduces but does not describe, does not tell us where he comes from or who he is. He's wrestling all night with this man. Finally, it's almost daybreak, and the mysterious man says, I've got to go before dawn. Let me go. It's sort of like Cinderella at midnight. You've got to be out of there or things are going to change. and It won't be right. This man's got to go by daybreak before daylight strikes. 
And in that, as they are wrestling at the end, it says this man strikes the hip of Jacob when he won't let him go and puts it out of socket. And then verse 26, the man says, let me go for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I want us to pause here for a moment to be helped by a Hebrew Bible scholar, a man, Professor Emeritus of Comparative Religion in Hebrew, who has written his own translation or done his own translation of the Hebrew Scriptures. His name is Dr. Robert Alter. Good name for a biblical scholar, I guess. But at any rate, he says so often in our modern translations as biblical scholars try to sort of clean up the story or explain the story by using different words. He wants to give us the exact words. He says in this case, the Hebrew word here doesn't really mean struck or strike. He says in the Hebrew, the Hebrew word here actually means to touch or even gently touch or barely touch. It's a different image of what is happening. It's not one of overwhelming power, but more of finesse. I thought about piano. You've seen pianist artists attack the keys with passion and power to bring in a great crescendo or to drive a melody of a hymn or a song. And it does have great power. But I bet you've also seen a pianist playing along with that kind of power and then all of a sudden slowing the pace and finally just barely striking a key to make something poignant and powerful and beautiful. Or think about water and power. A tsunami comes at you with overwhelming force and obliterates everything in its path. That is powerful. But think about a drop of water that pools in the corner of someone's eye and then slowly begins to roll down their face. It can have a different kind of poignancy and power. In our text today, at least in the Hebrew, the suggestion is perhaps a different image than we're used to when we think about the power of God. Later in this story, Jacob's going to interpret the man as God. And what does this say to us about the power of God and how God interacts with us? In this struggle, Jacob believes he has met God. You hear it in verse 30. He says, for I have seen God face to face. And yet my life is preserved. The idea was the power of God was so overwhelming and awesome that if you came face to face, if you came that close to God, certainly you would die. But there's a different image of power in our story today. Jacob is having a different kind of experience. And in this sort of dark night of the soul, He's dealing, apparently, presumably, with all of his misdeeds, particularly how he's treated his brother, which was despicable. And those misdeeds, as it were, are about to come home to roost since he has to meet his brother the next morning. He is wrestling with who he is and has been as a person during this fateful night. 
but rather than God striking him down or afflicting him or injuring him, it seems that God is holding him in this wrestling match and touching him in a way to change him. The opponent asks finally in the middle of this wrestling match in verse 27 says to Jacob, what is your name? Now it's helpful to remember here, this question's come to Jacob before when he was deceiving his father to steal the inheritance birthright, impersonating his brother. His father asked him his name. He asked him to confirm his identity not once but twice. And both times Jacob lies through his teeth. And he says, I'm Esau, your oldest son. But of course, he was deceiving his father to grab, to steal something he wanted that was not rightfully his in that day and time. What is your name is a key question for Jacob. It comes in verse 27 as he's wrestling with this mystery man. What is your name? And this time he comes clean and says, Jacob reminded me so much of the story that Jesus tells that Luke records in chapter 15 of his gospel of the prodigal son, who's also one who takes the inheritance or steals the inheritance, goes to a far off place away from his family. But then when he ends up in a terrible situation and is about to starve, it says in Luke, he came to himself. He came to himself. He saw who he was and what he had done and the situation that he was in, and he understood himself differently. I think that's the same kind of experience that Jacob is having as he wrestles during this faithful night. It is a struggle within himself even as it is a struggle with God. And perhaps it raises the question for each of us, what is our identity? Who are we? What do we need to face? Are we willing to admit to God and to ourselves who we have been, where we have been, what we have done, where we have fallen short? In a few minutes, when we read through the communion liturgy, we will have an opportunity to say a prayer of confession together. Whenever we celebrate communion or do Eucharist together, we say a prayer of confession because we know that we all do fail to see ourselves clearly sometimes. We all fall short sometimes. And so we use different words in the liturgy from time to time, but in all those different words, we are confessing to God who we are and coming to grips, facing ourselves about who we have been and where we have been and where we want to go and whether or not we trust God to change us, to transform us and take us into the future. President of the Tulsa Community College and Boston Avenue member, Dr. Lee Goodson, recently had an editorial published in the paper about the discomfort that the pandemic has brought to us. I want to read to you a few words of what she wrote. She says, extremely uncomfortable. That is my memory so far of 2020. This is the year we've been asked to become more than we were. 
Virtually every aspect of our lives has been disrupted. We have been confined at home, isolating to protect ourselves, staying apart from colleagues, friends, and even family, wearing face masks, homeschooling children, learning technology to keep us connected, but at a distance, juggling too much, losing work-life and home-life boundaries. Beyond the physical and logistical challenges, the discomfort extends to the emotional. This is the year we halted or reshaped major life events. Weddings and funerals have been different. Proms and graduations have been missed. We have been celebrating apart, grieving apart, experiencing the tragic loss of life and livelihood across the world, feeling alone, not knowing what to say or do, fearing the unknown. Then she writes this, I've put it in your outline. These uncomfortable experiences break us down, humble our spirit, and test us. Although it never feels like it in the moment, this state of discomfort will challenge us to be better. She's describing my experience and maybe yours. I think she's describing where Jacob is in our story today. He's in this struggle with this mysterious man. He's used to winning, even doing whatever it takes to win and get away with what he wants. But not this night. Oh, he stays in engaged in the struggle and the wrestling match long enough to survive, but he is going to be a changed person. He's going to walk away with a limp. That is, Jacob comes away a different man. He is humbled. Humbled. And yet he is alive. As Dr. Goodson wrote, those uncomfortable experiences break us down, humble our spirit, and test us. Although it never feels like it in the moment, this state of discomfort will challenge us to be better. COVID-19 can be humbling. If you read the harrowing stories of those who have survived, it's not something you want to experience. But it's humbled us as a country and as a culture and as individuals in so many different ways. We recognize it as a virus that can cripple us, a virus that can kill us. And yet Dr. Goodson reminds us that it also gives us an opportunity to learn and grow, to be changed so that we might be better people, that we might be a better society. The story today tells us to stay engaged, particularly stay engaged with God. Even if you are struggling, stay engaged and strive with God. For in that comes a blessing. Maybe you heard it as I read through that text down in verse 27, 8, and 9, the opponent says, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with humans 
and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there, and there, he blessed him. Do you hear it? Sometimes the blessing comes in the struggle. Oh, Jacob doesn't get what he thinks when he goes into the night, but he gets something better. He gets a new identity. He is changed into a different man. He's transformed, you could say, by this wrestling match that he identifies as being with God. Transformation through struggle. Sometimes it's hard to believe, but we find a Christian expression of it from the early church when Paul's writing to those early Christians in Rome. It comes out in chapter 5. I want you to hear a few verses of what he writes. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Paul is saying, oh, as people of faith, we hope for the glory of God, but sometimes we get suffering. But even in the suffering, the Genesis story, in this letter that Paul writes to the Romans, says there's a blessing even in the suffering, even in the struggle. But the hope comes from God's love being poured into our hearts. God is with us, as these stories have reminded us from Genesis. God loves us. God wants to change and transform us that we might experience the fullness of life. What is your struggle? What is your identity? Are you willing for God to change you even through a pandemic? Are you ready for God's love to be poured into your heart? Jacob stays in the struggle and his name is changed. His identity changes. He's no longer Jacob. He will be Israel, one who strives or struggles with God. But he walks away with a limp. He has been humbled. Perhaps he has realized that no longer is he at the center of his life, grabbing whatever he wants but that rightly God resides there at the center. How about you? What fills your heart? Are you ready for God to change you and transform you even through the struggle? Amen.